Welcome to the Life Melbourne podcast. We're so glad you're joining us for another hope-filled message. We pray that you're encouraged by this powerful word from our Sunday service. I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm excited about the theme uh, that we are on at the moment, first things first. How many know if you put the right things first, everything else follows? Jesus said what? Seek first the kingdom of God and everything else will be given unto you. And uh, I love the word Pastor Craig brought a couple of weeks ago, just talking about the importance of the word, building our lives on a foundation that cannot be shaken. And uh, I pray uh, that you are desperately, hopelessly in love with the word of God. I pray that as the word of God says itself, that we've let the word dwell richly within us. That it's not just a Sunday event, it's not just some little ritual, but that we learnt to love and to honour and to build our lives on the Word of God. In season, out of season, a foundation that never, ever shifts. Last week, Pastor Paul from New Zealand, my goodness. You talk about a father of faith speaking from a deep well. Well, if you've never experienced that and you were here or online last week, you got it last week. What an incredible message, the pipeline of faith. And uh, if you missed that, do yourself a favour, get back online and check it out. Uh, because again, if we are ever going to put first things first, we've got to establish that pipeline of faith. Um, but today I want to talk about uh, another foundation, another thing we've got to have first priority in our lives, in every aspect of our lives. And that is, and this won't be a shock to you, I'm sure, that is prayer. 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 But here's the thing, I know if you've been in church for a while, every time we talk about prayer and the importance of prayer, putting prayer first in our lives, oftentimes it's associated with a tinge of guilt because most of us, if we're honest, would say, I need to pray more. (laughs) But here's the thing, I, I this morning, I don't feel the heart of God sort of just saying, you better pray. You have to pray. You should be praying. Come on. No, no, that's not the heart of God. What I'm praying this morning is just as we need to fall in love with the Word of God, we need to fall in love with prayer. And so if you need a title this morning, I want to just share some thoughts around the the whole concept of the wonder of prayer. The wonder of prayer. Because when we understand the wonder of prayer, we're drawn to prayer. There's an attraction to it. There's a, there's a magnetism to prayer that says, I actually want to go there. I don't have to, but I get to. And when we're talking about prayer, I don't want it to be a religious thought or a religious concept, but I want us to think about prayer as being practising the presence of God. That when we pray, we are literally just positioning ourselves, leaning into the presence of God, having an audience, an undistracted audience with the creator of all things, with the author and the perfecter of our faith, sitting in the very presence of God and making sure that it's not just a moment thing, it's not just an event thing, it's not just a a Sunday thing, but it's, it's part of our rhythm of life. I think there's a great danger in our world today. We have to understand that anything great isn't built in a moment. 
If you've been watching the, uh, the Winter Olympics, I mean, I watched some of that snowboarding stuff. And you, I mean, it's, it, it, it blows my mind that they can do that and land. I gave up going to the, the getting on the, the rides at the, um, you know, the carnivals with my kids years ago. All I needed was one loop and I was done. These people, they're doing loops, spurls, I don't know what you call them. But hey, you never win a gold medal on one event. They've devoted an entire lifetime. They've built a discipline. It's been part of the rhythm of their life because they've realised if I, if I want to see that event, if I want to go to that level, I need to build a discipline. I need to have a lifestyle that's going to allow that to happen. If you've ever seen a great marriage, if you've ever looked at a couple and thought, man, I want a, I want a marriage like that. I want a home like that. I want a children like that. Well, you know you're looking at much more than a great wedding. We celebrate the weddings. We put sometimes thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars into the event of a wedding. But a wedding doesn't build the marriage. It's a lifestyle. It's a decision to say these things matter. And if you are building a great marriage, then you know there's something wonderful. Because the better your marriage is, the more you want it to grow. The richer it is, the richer you want it to become. And so when we talk about prayer, we've got to understand prayer is the most wonderful thing that we get to do in all of our lives. If we go right to the Scriptures and we just look at Jesus, it, it doesn't take long when you're reading the Gospels to understand Jesus practiced a rhythm of prayer. Luke chapter 5, 15 and on says, The news about him, Jesus, spread all the more, so that crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. You get another snapshot in Mark chapter 1, verse 35. It says, Very early in the morning, not because his kid was screaming. How many, how many parents can remember what it was like? Say, oh, God have mercy. <laughs> when they wake you up at 5 a.m. It says, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him. When they found him, they exclaimed, everyone is looking for you. When I read those scriptures and you, you, you look at the lifestyle of Jesus and prayer, you realise there's always attention to it. There's always a reason why not. There's always something that will, will get in the way. You realise again, there's, there's a price to pay. Sometimes the price is to, to get up early. Sometimes the price is to say no to somebody or to something. I learned a long time ago, if we're going to make room to say yes to more of God's presence, we have to learn to say no to some of the things that aren't as important that constantly come and distract us. But we also realise, looking at the life of Jesus, prayer, the wonder of prayer is that it's always worth it. There's always fruit that comes out of our moments in the presence of God. If you study Scriptures, you'll see whenever it, it shows a picture of Jesus praying, it's always followed by significant events. It's not a random thing. The more we dwell in the presence of God, the more fruitfulness we can see in every area of our lives. But Jesus didn't just practice prayer. He taught prayer. 
And that's where I want to go this morning. We're going to go to Matthew chapter 6. If you've got your Bibles or your iPads or your phones, but I think it'll come on the screen uh, as well. Matthew chapter 6 verse 5 says this, And when you pray, everyone say, when? when. Do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your Father who is unseen. There's a mystery to prayer. We're praying to an unseen God. But Jesus says, don't let that phase you. Go into your room, close the door, pray to your Father who is unseen, and then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, don't keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they'll be heard because of their many words. Don't be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Again, you look at those scriptures of Jesus and I love the fact that he says, when you pray, not if you pray. There's an expectation because Jesus knew the wonder of prayer. And he understands that when we start to step into the wonder, we will be praying. So he says, when you pray, he practiced it, he taught it. He assumed that his followers, you and I, would also practice it that we would be found there, that we would love the wonder of drawing closer because whenever we draw closer, two things happen. Number one, focus begins to shift. But number two, hearts begin to change. That's the wonder of prayer. Focuses begin to shift, hearts begin to change. Prayer shifts our focus. That verse in the message says this, here's what I want you to do. Find a quiet, secluded place so you won't be tempted to role play before God. Just be there as simply and honestly as you can manage. I love that. Just be there. God's not saying clean up your act. God's not saying go through this step of repentance, that step of, you know, He just says just come as you are. Come with brokenness, come with doubt, come with frustrations, come with whatever you're going through. Just make sure that you come into my presence simply and honestly as you can manage. The focus will shift from you to God and you'll begin to sense His grace. Can I tell you something? If I take my glasses off, I'm in serious trouble. <laughs> I tell you, I could just go. <laughs> if I take my glasses off, I get up in the middle of the night, I'm in serious trouble. I mean, I, 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 most of the time I can get where I need to go, but oftentimes I'll, I'll damage myself on the way. <laughs> I'll, I'll stub my toe on a wall, I'll trip over something, and it's because I need focus. We all need focus. That's why there are so many people wearing glasses nowadays. But can I tell you, reality is spiritually. The reality is in our lives, in every detail of our lives. We need that same clarity. We need that focus. And when we pray, we're shifting the focus. And the Scripture says, off ourselves and onto 
God. You know, whatever you focus on, we heard Pastor Nadia give that example last week about uh, when Pastor Craig taught her about snowboarding. The first thing he said was, you know, don't look at the tree. <laughs> look where you want to go. Keep looking up. Keep looking up because the reality is whatever you focus on is what you become. And whatever you focus, wherever you focus is where you end up going. You know, one of the challenges of this whole pandemic and this whole thing of shutdown in Melbourne is we've been so focused on media, so focused on the news. We've all become political commentators. We've all become a pity, epi, epi, you know, medical specialists. We know all about the viruses and things. Why? Because we put our focus, so much focus on that stuff and it gets into you. Well, what Jesus is saying is the wonder of prayer is that it shifts our focus off ourselves and on to God. And when we focus on God, we start to receive some fresh revelation. We start to have our eyes open. We start to get clarity about who He is. It shifts our focus. Romans 10, 17 says, Faith comes from hearing the message and the message is heard through the Word of God. I love that because as we sit in God's presence, as we dwell in His Word, faith comes. But the word they're hearing, it's so important. It's more than just hearing. It's about hearing. It's about catching something. It's about dwelling on something. It's about letting whatever we're hearing penetrate. The Greek word is akou, which means to attend to, to consider what is or has been said, to understand, to perceive the sense of what is Said. You see, what we understand, there's a, there's a lot of difference between hearing and hearing. I spent many, many years in high school hearing, but heard nothing. <laughs> Just a noise as the teacher went on and on and on, but, but I didn't hear because I wasn't really listening. You can be in a conversation and you can be hearing, but not hearing. I saw a, um, a blackboard uh, outside a cafe once they used to write jokes on it and this one I loved it says I was walking along with my wife the other day when all of a sudden she stopped and said have you been listening to a word that I've been saying and I thought to myself that's a strange way to start a conversation <laughs> who hasn't been there men come on you can sit in church, be hearing, but not hearing. You can be listening to one of the greatest preachers on the planet, but you can be going through your shopping list or thinking about the kids and, and all that. But what the Bible's saying here is that we need to learn to, to get into the wonder of prayer. And so our focus shifts off all of those things and we get a fresh revelation of God. I love the story of Lydia in the New Testament. Story is Paul is coming to a new area, a new territory. He goes down to the river, which is where people would gather and they'd have discussions. And there's a woman there called Lydia. And it says in Acts chapter 16, verse 14, one of those listening was a woman from the city of Thyatira named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth. She was a worshipper of God, but the Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. The Lord opened her heart. She was leaning in. She was drawing closer. She was hearing 
what God was saying and suddenly fresh revelation came. She went from being a believer, a worshipper in God to someone that said yes to Jesus, to someone that said, man, if that's who He is, I wanna know Him in my life. And can I say today in this meeting or if you're watching online, you may have a faith in God. You may have a religious framework. You may say, yeah, I believe in God. But the issue is not, do you believe in God? The issue is, do you know His Son? Do you know the Saviour? Has the revelation come that God is calling your name and the moment you say yes to Jesus, there's a revelation and awareness that God is with you. She got a revelation because she was leaning into the presence of God. She got a divine impregnation of faith. It was more than emotion. You know, you can come out of a meeting pumped with emotion. <laughs> How many times has someone said to you, well, what was church like? You say, oh, it awesome. You say, what did they preach about? Oh, it was awesome, I tell you. It was just incredible. What did they preach? Said, I don't know. <laughs> I can't remember. But it was awesome. You know, sometimes it may be a valid thing that, yes, there was a moment of revelation and there was a moment of motion that was stirred, but we've got to make sure that we take that seed and we let it grow within our hearts. And that what, that's what prayer can do. We get that revelation of what God is trying to communicate to us and we let it saturate through every area of our lives. But here's the thing. It's not just in that moment of salvation. We need it every day of our Christian walk. We sang that song earlier on about God, I need you. I need your presence. I need a fresh wind. Well, can I tell you, that never goes away. We never want to become self-sufficient. We never want to end up walking in our own life. We never ever want to become the ones who start in the Spirit, born again by the Spirit of God, but then walking in the competence and the flesh. We've got to stay fresh and hungry because we need His presence. 1 Kings chapter 19 is the story of Elijah, one of the superstars of the Old Testament, the great prophet Elijah. And it's coming fresh off an encounter with King Ahab, one of the most wicked kings that has ever been married to Jezebel, the queen. And he's taken a great showdown against the false prophets of Baal. And he, if you know the story, he basically said, listen, we're going to worship the God who answers by fire. And he built an altar and he put a bull on the altar. And he put wood on the altar and he put water all all around the altar. Then he said, now you call on your God. I'll call on my God. And the God who answers by fire, this is the true God. Let's worship Him. If you know the story, you know the prophets of Baal went mad, but nothing happened. And he just prayed and God just went boom and burnt everything up that was on the altar. But here's the interesting thing. It wasn't just the altar that got burnt up. It was the prophet who got burnt out. Because if you read on from there, you'll find Jezebel said, I'm going to take him out. And he started to run. Fear entered his heart. Weariness entered his heart. And if you know the story, he ended up in a place saying, God, it's too much. Take me out of here. I want to die. Man, we can get so weary. We can be doing all the right things. But if we haven't got the rhythm right, if we haven't got first things first in our lives, we end up running out of our own strength and we desperately need another fresh encounter with God. So God takes Elijah on that journey. If you know the journey ends up in a cave on a mountain. 
God says, go and stand out there and watch and see what's going to happen. And the Bible says a great powerful wind came, but God wasn't in the wind. A great powerful earthquake came and then a fire came, but God wasn't in those spectacular moments. Verse 12, 1 Kings 19 says, after the fire came, a gentle whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face, went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. And then a voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? God went on to have this conversation, told Elijah exactly what he needed to do and where he needed to go. And Elijah got a, a fresh infusion, a fresh impregnation of the anointing of heaven. He discovered the wonder of prayer isn't in emotion. It's not in the spectacular. The wonder of prayer is in that intimacy of being still and honest and letting God start to speak into the very depths of your life. When we are in that place, when we are there quietly before God, leaning into the whisper, that's when faith comes. That's when revelation comes. That's when hope comes. That's when direction comes. I want to say this morning, hey, no matter what's going on in your life, you might consider yourself like a prayer champion. You, you might say, my life's all in order, but I want to tell you, there's always more that we need to hear from God. There's always another whisper. There's always another revelation that God wants to bring into our lives. That revelation that God loves you, the revelation that God wants to guide us, that God wants to empower us, that God wants to provide for us, that God wants to be our Father. And when we put prayer first, everything else is going to flow into our lives. Because when we pray, the focus shifts, but also when we pray, hearts change. Now, I don't know about you, I had the privilege of sharing my testimony here a little while ago. So you know my story, my heart needed to change. There's one thing I knew about my heart, I couldn't change it on my own. I could try hard on the outside, but I could never change what was on the inside. But the beautiful thing is that when we learn the, the wonder of prayer, God starts to work on the inside. And there's what I love to think of as a divine exchange. I bring him my brokenness and he gives me his wholeness. Romans 12, verse one and two from the message transliteration says this. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work and walking around life and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for Him. Listen, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. God is saying, listen, when you focus on me, you're allowing me to go to work in you. And many times we won't even understand what's happening. It's an issue of grace. It's not like we go to a psychologist. It's not like we just sit on a couch and we, we figure it all out. No, it's a work of grace where the Holy Spirit is given room, is given time to do the work that only the Holy Spirit is able to do. I've said for years, a revelation God gave to me was, David, it's not about trying harder. 
It's about drawing closer. And the closer we become, the stronger we become. When I was little, I remember my dad used to take um, all of us camping. And he didn't care what time of year it was. Five children, he'd pack up the trailer with all of the tents and we'd go bush. We'd go seriously off grid. But we didn't have a generator. We didn't have any of that stuff. Like it was hardcore. People say they go camping nowadays. I say, you forget it. You have no idea. You have no idea. They've got generators. They've got air conditioners. They've got televisions. My daughter, one, another daughter and her husband, they've gone, they have the caravan. It's not a caravan. It's like a mobile city. It's got everything in this. You can, well, that wasn't us. And we would go camping in the middle of winter. And I can remember as a little kid waking up in the middle of the night. If I was lucky, I got to sleep. But I was so cold. And you touch your feet to see if they're still there. Like you cannot feel your feet. And I can remember the difference between trying to warm yourself up or standing by fire. And isn't it interesting, you know, to try and warm yourself up, what, all that energy. You know, I can remember little kids just you know, right, right, jumping, 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 and then smashing your feet and holding your feet and blowing and doing all of this stuff. And, but the reality is all that I was waiting for was for dad to light the fire. And when dad lit the fire, what did you do? You just went and stood by the fire. It was just awesome. Had nothing to do with you. You didn't have to jump up and down. You didn't have to, oh, no, no. You just stood by the fire. And as you stood by the fire, the heat of the fire got into you and did what you could never do yourself. Come on. It's not about trying harder. It's about drawing closer and allowing God the Father with the fire of the Spirit to do what you can't do, but He loves to do. He transforms. He gives new life. He puts rivers of living water in us that we could never, ever, ever achieve on our own. Do you know why the enemy loves to stop you going to the place of prayer? Do you know why the enemy loves to make you feel condemned because you weren't there yesterday or, or maybe it's been a week or maybe you've never really developed a rhythm? Do you know why the devil loves to stop you? Because he knows the wonder of prayers is it going to change you. He's not afraid of a prayerless believer, but he's terrified. He's terrified of anyone that will get into the presence of God and say, God, change me. Because he knows that's the person, that's the man, that's the woman that he can use. Because it's not about our talent. It's not about our experience. As we heard a couple of weeks ago, the position is vacant. Anybody can step in there. Anybody can share their faith. You've just got to have that time where you know that God is with me. And if God is with me, God wants to use me. I love the promise as I close in this. I love the promise of Philippians 4, 6 and 7. You know this. Don't be anxious about anything. But in everything, every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. If I had to put a heading above that scripture, I'd say the wonder of prayer. That we can come and maybe we come with anxiety. But the wonder of prayer is that we're going to leave with peace. 
maybe we're going to come stressed and exhausted, but the wonder of prayer is we're going to find new energy. We're going to find new vision. We're going to find new faith. Maybe you'll come into that place of prayer full of fear, but you're going to go out full of faith. Maybe you come in weak. Maybe you come in bound. Maybe you come in knowing that you've been trying to get over that temptation, break free of that sin, break free of that, that lifestyle for years, maybe months, but you've never been able to do it. Maybe you come with that, but through prayer, honest prayer, saying, God, here I am. Here I am, I'm still struggling, but God, I'm sitting in your presence. And as you sit in God's presence, the focus shifts off how big the devil is. The focus shifts off how many mistakes you've made. The focus shifts over off all of those voices of condemnation and guilt and doubt. The focus shifts from that and suddenly you start to focus on Him. And you start to realise again, He's my dad. He's the one who's building the fire while I'm in the tent. <laughs> He's the one who says, hey, there is no condemnation for those that are in Christ. You're my kid. I love you. I want to see you prosper. And I've made everything possible. But you just need to come, put first things first. Stop striving and learn the rhythm of prayer. We started 21 days of prayer and fasting. For some of you, you go, come on. You're prayer fanatics. <laughs> but that's not most of us. Most of us, if we're honest, we go, okay. <laughs> God have mercy. <laughs> I'll set my goals. I'll set the alarm. <laughs> Whatever. But you know, I think I never started 21 day fasting and prayer without saying first, God, help me to lean in. Don't let me do this out of obligation. Don't let me do this out of thinking I'm going to earn cookie points. Don't let me come into this thinking that, man, if I just pray hard enough, long enough, you've got to answer my prayer. Oh, I say, God, give me a heart to lean in. Give me a heart to lean in just like Jesus leaned. Jesus said no to the crowds. Jesus said no to all of the needs. He said no to every distraction because He knew He needed to be in the presence of His Father. Lydia lent in. She was a successful businesswoman. She closed the shop, walked out of the office. Well, she may not have, I don't know what she did. But she said, no, I'm going down to the river. I'm going down to the river because I'm hungry for God. And then when she was down at the river and she heard the word speaking of the Son of God, she lent in even more. She said, man, I want that. I want to know this Jesus. If that's who He is, that's what He's done. I want to know that. She lent in. Elijah lent in. Went on a journey, broken, exhausted. Thought he'd come to the end of himself. He had come to the end of himself. But God said, that's not the end. All you've got to do is just take a couple more steps and just stand and wait. Can I encourage you? Don't be in a hurry when you set aside time to pray. Just be content to sit and say, God, speak to me. Leave the phone alone, buzzing, flashing, beeping. Leave the phone alone. Let all the other thoughts just go and lean in. Four quick things as I close. Number one, 21 days of prayer and fasting. Make some extra room. 
You can't say yes to more unless you say no to something else. So make some room. Number two, develop a rhythm. Same time, same place each day. It's powerful. It's so powerful. Don't, don't think that later on. No, no, no. Set a rhythm. Number three, find a place. You might say, Pastor, you have no idea where I live. You have no idea where I work. I don't care where you live. I don't care where you work. I don't know what your lifestyle is. Find a place. Find a place. You know, there was a season in my life, the only place I could find was in the car at lunchtime. I had no lunch. I got in the car. I drove around the block and I sat in the car for 45 minutes. That was my time with God. doesn't sound very spiritual, but I want to tell you, heaven invaded my car. Heaven invaded my car. I should have asked for more when I sold it, actually. (laughs) Number four, just learn to listen. Just learn to listen. Just learn to listen. Because God will speak. God will speak. And when He speaks, we change. We trust that you are encouraged by this powerful message. You always have a place to call home here at Life. And we invite you to join us for our Sunday services at our Melbourne campus. If you're not in Melbourne, then join us for Church Online, wherever you are in the world. Just head to lifeau.org to stay connected and find out more.